The Old Premeds Podcast, session number 88. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Old Pre-Meds Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. I am the director of the Non-Traditional Pre-Med and Medical Society or something like that. It's a long name. We just say Old Pre-Meds. So much easier. You can find our website at oldpremeds.org. Amazing community over there. Amazing form to help you on your journey. So if you are new to us, we take questions directly from that form and answer them here on the podcast. So if you're a non-traditional student, even if you're a traditional student, a lot of these questions and answers will help you. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this week's question. Again, taken directly from the oldpremeds.org forums, we have a student asking about extracurriculars. Now, Lane the Texan says, hello, or says, hey, fellow premeds. I have a question about extracurricular, uh, extracurriculars as a non-traditional student. I'm 29. I graduated in 2014 with my degree, and I am finishing up the prerequisite work. My GPA is very, very strong, so I'm not worried about the GPA MCAT part of the application. I have a decade of work experience as a consultant doing business and finance management, finance management for small to medium-sized businesses, including medical offices. I will start doing some shadowing, clinical experience, and more recent volunteering uh, this fall. In general, what are medical schools looking for when they ask about extracurriculars? I know that extracurriculars are going to look different for someone like us who may have had a decade or more in full-time work experience. For the past year and a half, I've been repeatedly asked to assist, tutor, or TA for past professors. I had three semesters of TAing back when I did my degree, and I helped revise a textbook was added to the authorship. So I am not sure uh, more of what would help. I keep being told I need to do research, but I plan to apply to mostly state schools, and the ones I'm looking at do not list research as a requirement. Any suggestions from your experience? Thanks. All right, so let's dive into this. A very common question that a lot of students struggle with, especially non-trads who don't have a lot of time extra. Now, I did speak with the dean of admissions at a Florida medical school, and I was debating whether or not to tell you the name of the school. It was University of Central Florida. Uh, There, I told you. I was speaking to the dean of admissions there last time I was there for a conference, and he specifically told me, we were were talking about non-trads and how they love non-trads, and he specifically said, look, we understand non-trads probably have other requirements. They're taking care of family. They're working full-time. They're doing whatever. And so they understand, admissions committees understand that you're not going to have the same amount of time as a uh, a normal or not a, a traditional pre-med student who's in school and really doesn't have any many more requirements outside of going to school and taking classes. And some students work in other things um, and that's taken into account too. And all of that's going to be on your extracurriculars to see, oh, this person works full-time. Oh, this person, whatever. So very important to know that. 
you're you're not it's not all apples to apples um so as a non-tread you are the orange and your experiences aren't going to be looked at the same as a traditional student with that being said research isn't that important yes it's good if you can go get some and just get your toes wet and see if you like it it's not a requirement what is a requirement and and I'll, I'll label that loosely as a requirement that what is required is that you get experience in a healthcare setting put yourself around patients show the admissions committee that you understand what it's like to be around sick people that you like as much as you can like to be around sick people that you are ready to devote your life to being around sick people and that comes in many forms a lot of people think that's what shadowing is but it's not shadowing is important because shadowing shows you what the life of a doctor is it shows you that it's not gray's anatomy it shows you that it's not scrubs shadowing is important you don't need hundreds and hundreds of hours of it there was a school i was talking to a student recently and and she said the medical school said you should have 100 hours of shadowing and and i say no <laughs> you don't need 100 hours of shadowing Sure, maybe there's one school out there that says, yes, we want you to have 100 hours of shadowing, but that is not necessary for the majority of schools out there. It's just not. What you do need a, substan a substantial, substantial number of hours in is clinical experience, being around, interacting with, and that's the key thing, interacting with. You don't interact in shadowing. You are literally the shadow. But with clinical volunteering, clinical experience, you are putting yourself around the patient, right? Close enough to smell the patient. That's the important part of clinical experience, that you are okay, that you enjoy, that you aren't turned off by being around sick people. That's the important part. Now, this student listed being a TA and teaching and being an author on a book, a textbook, that's all great. But you're entering medicine. Put yourself around patients. That's what's missing, likely from this person's application. And it's a very common thing to miss. If you go back and listen to episode 171 of the Pre-Mid Years podcast, the number one reason that students, according to the former dean of admissions at UC Irvine Medical School, the, the number one reason students weren't admitted was lack of clinical experience. It's so, so, so important. So hopefully that helps you. I would love for you to share this podcast with your family, with your friends, with your mentors, with your advisors. If you're in a postback program, make sure that your postback advisor knows about old pre-meds. I speak to too many postback, um, too many postback advisors and and postback deans and postback faculty that don't know about old pre-meds. Old pre-meds should be a resource that every non-trad person knows about. And that includes all the postback advisors out there. So if you can do your part, share this podcast with your postback advisor, I would love you for it. With that said, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Old Pre-Meds Podcast.